that's all film. Time speed is what it is. Uh, I take playing speed as a more important gauge than time speed. Me personally, I probably watch more film on him than any prospect that I could ever remember watching film on, ever remember watching film on. That's all film. Because everyone said, well, he ran real slow. It's an alert. I said, okay, well, games that I watched, I didn't see him get run by. It's an alert. With the 53rd pick in the 2017 National Football League draft, the Detroit Lions have selected Tease Tabor. Feels great to be back. Great to be sitting next to you in our homeland here, home base, uh, studio. Let's yeah, call it. The, the studio, the, the Iron Gate Studios. <laughs> we have studios all across the Midwest, but uh, this is you know one of the mainstays here in here in the city. We've put most of our money into this one. Yeah, <laughs> um, may have gotten big time today, but it could be a logistical error as well. It could we, have been. You, you never know. Listen, we we have nothing but support for for BJ Blunt and in the you know we know the draft process can be a little overwhelming at times and you never know we're T minus a month and a half from the draft. There's, so. there's time. There's time. There's time. We're we optimistic. Got, all we got is time. Whenever whenever BJ's ready to have this interview, you, you got know, that blue check. Things might have gone into his head a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're just gonna talk, get away from the draft a little bit, talk some free agency. Just get some takes in here about who we think might be good fits in, in certain places, and also potentially just a few new, little things from the combine. I mean, we're trying not to get too much. I think if our combine takes, if anything, are going to be don't read into it too much. Yeah, absolutely. I think all of us, in speaking for Dolan and Tommy, even at the back judge, we enjoy the combine. You know, we watch it, but. Uh, we definitely hold tape to a much higher standard, and the tape don't lie. No. Sometimes the combine can lie. We've a seen times, the we've yeah. seen the combine lie before, and the tape simply don't lie. So, like Klepp said earlier, just take take the combine with the, with a grain of salt because it's tough to take all that stuff at face value when when the guys aren't even wearing pads and they're out there um, doing a lot of things that obviously test to to you know simulate the NFL style of play, but. You know, you, you don't really know until the, the ball is snapped and the, the pads are on and the contact is there. So um, definitely gonna interested to get into some of this free agency action, though. Yeah, and, uh, um, I mean, where I think, I guess, this class is pretty deep would be safety. Mm-hmm. Um, also got a few linebackers, too, inside linebackers that um, definitely are going to come in for new teams and make a really solid impact. That's where I think the bulk of this free agency class is strong, I think. In terms of tackles and offensive line, mm-hmm. not a lot. You're not going to find, yeah. Um, which You're is kind of far for the course nowadays in the NFL. Those dudes don't generally get to free agency that much. So a lot of, I mean, a really good class too. Uh, definitely a lot of players who, you know, I mean, thinking of C.J. Mosley, Landon Collins, two guys that I'm kind of surprised at least weren't tagged or haven't gotten long-term deals done at this point and are just going to hit the open market. Um, so Also, I do want to add something we both kind of have forgotten I guess I kind of uh, put Antonio Brown in the same category as these free agents in the yes. way where it's like, where where is this mm-hmm. guy going to go? Kind of add him to the class of not necessarily, uh, you know, a free agent um, exactly uh, by the traditional sense, but a free agent definitely in the way where I, I, I don't consider him a Pittsburgh Steeler anymore. No. I consider him kind of an NFL player who uh, a team is going to come in 
and make an offer for. So he'll be in a different uniform next year. So that's just kind of another guy to add, another elite-level talent to add to the uh, quote-unquote free agency class this year. Um, and like you said, Klepp, just kind of piggybacking off that, definitely a super talented class, very deep um, at safety and at linebacker, like you said. And I did want to say, I want to make the we, – we were talking a little bit about it before we hit the red button. And uh, Anthony Barr, formerly a linebacker for the Minnesota Vikings, C.J. Mosley, formerly a linebacker for the Baltimore Ravens, and K.J. Wright, formerly a linebacker for the Seattle Seahawks. I'd like to see the Lions – I'm not say, saying they have to sign one of these guys, but at least take action and try to make a move on one of these linebackers. I think uh, the Lions in, the, in, in recent years have kind of overestimated their linebacking core, mm-hmm. and I don't think Gerard Davis is necessarily I, – I'm giving him time to develop, but I, I don't think he's necessarily fitting the bill as a uh, – as a you know even not elite, but but above average to, to, to good to great solid or, or level linebacker in the NFL right now. So – in order to give him a little bit of time to develop, I'd like to see the Lions make a move on a uh, a high-profile player to bring in. Yeah, but I mean, even talking about that high-profile player, I'm on. You know, I'm I'm big on the Twitter, mm. big into that Lions Twitter, mm. and I think I'm the only person in this universe that isn't sold on Landon Collins coming yeah. to Detroit. I mean, everyone you see, you know, Quandre Diggs, Darius Slay, Snacks Harrison, they're all like recruiting him to come to Detroit, and you have all these fans like freaking out, getting yeah. super excited over it. And I'm just, like, not really that into him coming here. I mean, Landon Collins is, is a very good player. Uh, I don't really think he fits with the Lions' need right now, though. I think Quandre Diggs has settled in really nicely to that strong safety role. I mean, I do know that it's it's become big in the NFL to do a big nickel package and have three safeties in there. But the bottom line is you're going to – if you bring in Landon Collins, you're trusting Tracy Walker to do – all of your coverage. To play center field yeah. for you, yeah. And and you're going to have Landon Collins and Quandre Diggs be your big hitters. And you're going to bring – I just like don't see how – I think corner number two is a much bigger priority right now for this team. And to the idea of – you probably have to spend five – you know, four or five years, $10 million a year to get yeah. Landon Collins to come to Detroit. And I just don't really see how that helps us like that, that yeah. much. And – uh, I couldn't agree more, man. I think, and I also and think we're talking about spend, Weddle, bringing yeah, Weddle. That's what I was like, saying. I was just going to make that example, kind of, is like if you're going to spend that much money on a safety who we can both agree on, and I would love to have an argument with anyone who doesn't think that Landon Collins is a box player. He's not a covered safety. He never has been. He's never been a ball hawk. And yeah, he'll make some plays in coverage because he's a solid safety. He's a top five player in the free agency class, arguably, but. He's not the coverage safety and, like I said earlier, kind of center fielder that you want to bring in and that the Lions defense needs. Like you said with Diggs, and if you're going to spend the money on a box player, like I just said, sign a linebacker and then spend the rest of the money on a veteran safety like Eric Weddle, who's a proven ball hawk, a proven turnover machine, and a guy who can coach a young player like Tracy Walker, a veteran player who's been in the league for near damn near 20 years and been a very effective player for that length of time. So I definitely agree with you in that facet. I understand the hype surrounding yeah, Collins because sure. he's you know he had a huge year with the Giants. I want to say two years ago when the Giants were good, he had a phenomenal year, and he's had some good years since, and he's made some big hits, big plays, and he's a pretty big name. But I couldn't agree with you more in terms of I do not think he's a guy that you want to spend long term money on, and I don't think he's a guy that's going to come in and make the Lions a better team. I, I mean, I, I don't even know if I'm saying he's not a guy I wouldn't spend long term money on, just not for Detroit. I mean, you already have two safeties I think that are pretty good, and that's, yeah, and Quandre I mean. Diggs is is already filling that role for this team. I feel like so that's just where I stand with that. 
if they bring him in, then it's like, okay, cool. Like, I'm not going to be like pissed about it. I just don't really know if that's the best Well, way you'll be pissed about it yeah, when I he's playing so. with his head down week yeah. six and he misses a, a play in coverage and they get burnt by the Browns. That's, a, that's when you're going to get be, be pissed off about it. So I'm just saying as, as Lions fans to avoid that situation altogether because you can see it happening kind of. Mm-hmm. And you can see he is a, a box player. So uh, I, I obviously, you know, I can't necessarily say I'll be disappointed if they sign him, but... You sign this guy to a big money deal. That's what you're spending your money on. So I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I'd rather I'd rather them spend their money a different way. Is I guess the way that I'll put it. Um, and we we were talking too, big big Jamison Crowder people. Oh yeah, we were that that was that was a, yeah. a brain baby from about thirty minutes ago. Yeah, we yeah, yeah. Jamison Crowder <laughs> coming in and playing that maybe even receiver two, but definitely receiver three role for the yeah. Lions. Dominant slot player. Uh, definitely haven't had, it was evident that we didn't have someone to fill Golden Tate's shoes after yeah. he was given away. And I don't know what the chances are of him and, uh, Detroit reconciling this off season. He's also a free agent, but sign a guy who's what, four or five years younger. Jameson Crowder's 25 years mm-hmm. old. He's a little bit seasoned for a 25 year old, been in the league for four years and, you know, put up impressive numbers. Uh, you know, with exception to this past year, he was injured half the year, put up impressive numbers. Those first three years of his yeah. career, Second year in the career at seven t- of his career at seven touchdowns, and definitely a guy who I think Matt Stafford could do a lot with underneath. So you know the Lions wouldn't have to continue to use with this new Bevel offense. You know you yes. bring in that slot mm-hmm. receiver, you don't have to continue to use your running back. Look to your running backs to get the pass game working and screens to get the pass game working. You know, uh, give a, a five yard under under pass to James and Crowder underneath and let him do the work uh, occasionally. That's something the Lions really haven't had since Golden Tate left. And let's go to kind of a more of like a league wide view. Uh, in terms of these top guys, we were talking about you know Earl Thomas, Le'Veon Bell. Where are some landing spots you think for these people? Uh, I'm definitely based on the reports I've read and a little bit of the brain work I've done myself is like Le'Veon. I think is damn near a lock to go to the Jets. Uh, I think that the yeah. Jets are definitely in need of a running back. Uh, they're grooming Sam Darnold. They have a whole new staff coming in, and I think with the superstar power that Saquon Barkley has brought to that city at the running back position. Call it petty, call it whatever you want. I think the the brass of the Jets are kind of going to look to, you know what, we want our superstar offensive player too. Mm-hmm. We want our running back that we can bring in and is going to make an, we know he's going to make an immediate and impact. They don't have anyone on offense. They don't, exactly. Yeah. And, and Le'Veon is, I know it's been a while since we've seen him play, but he's definitely a guy who can get the get the chains moving in the passing game, going to make huge plays in the running game. He's an exceptional running back. He's a, He can do things that not every running back in the league can do. That's why he's a number one free agent, and that's why I genuinely think, even with how good he is, the Jets are going to overpay for him. They're going to yeah. pay him way too much money. He's 27 years old. Uh, I think running back is, dare I say, at a dying position in the league, unless you're a guy like Saquon, um, and especially when you're kind of over that hill of 26-27. So it'll be interesting, interesting to see how it pans out, but I think Le'Veon, the Jets are definitely the A1 candidate for him. And then a guy like Earl Thomas is, I think the jury's kind of still out to see any team that's willing to spend the money on a 30-year-old safety who's, you know. Coming off an ACL. Yeah, yeah. Come, exactly. Or was in an ankle. Or something. Yeah. Right, whatever. Guy, something so, he got carted season, off for. Season-ending injury. So, and <laughs> he, he got on the car. That wasn't too yeah. good. Yeah. What do, you, what, do you, what do you think about Le'Veon? Do you think I think, think I mean, any... it's, there's only, I think, going to be a few landing spots for him for the amount of money he's going to ask for and who's going to want to give it to him. And I think it kind of comes down to Indianapolis and New York as the teams that we've been yeah. hearing all along because they just have the most cap space. But for, for Indy, I'd really like to see them not bring in 
uh, Le'Veon Bell just because you already have Marlon Mack We're there. Marlon Mack, yeah, exactly. And, uh, Look what like, Mack did last th- season. Th- things were going well for you guys, so why you got to, you know, rock the boat? And in terms of, and you already have, you know, if you look at the Colts, I mean, you have offensive weapons in, you know, Andrew Luck and T.Y. Hilton, um, and you have a great line in front of them. If you look at the Jets, I mean, they are devoid of talent yeah. on offense. I mean, so I think even if you are going to overpay, which you pretty much are for anyone in free agency, um, starting with the best offensive weapon in free agency is definitely a good place to start. Because, I mean, as you're saying, too, you know, safety linebacker are pretty deep, but offensively, too, this free agency class isn't too too fantastic. No, I would, I would agree with that. I think that it's, like, somewhat deep, but there's not that much top-level talent. Um, and I mean, always too. I always love watching NFL Live. Schefter's got the two phones going. Yeah. It's Monday, you know, March eleventh, the t- legal tampering period, and it's like there's some, there's gonna be some crazy trades gonna happen. Yeah, no, definitely. There's gonna be some, you know, salary dumps. I think Bortles, draft spots are gonna get draft moved, spots. I yeah, I think yeah. I think Bortles is gonna get moved out of Jacksonville. I wouldn't yeah. be too surprised if that happens. I'd be surprised if it didn't happen. Honestly, yeah. with the with the track record he's got there, I think it'd be in their best interest to get him out, especially yep. when he gets replaced. Yeah, um, I'll put you on the hot seat. A little bit. Okay. Quick. What about what about AB? What about our man Antonio Brown? It's been whittled down to three teams. Well, I mean, you were saying Tennessee seems likely. Tennessee, I, Washington, and Oakland. Those are the three that are kind of uh, the Jets and the Cardinals have dropped out as contenders. Uh, so I've heard, and the deal's supposed uh, to be done within the next forty-eight hours. If you're, so. if you're Washington, don't do that because you don't have a quarterback and yeah. this man is going to be a menace in your locker room. I guess coming into Club J, yeah. right? <laughs> down, down there in Landover. I, I don't know, man. I don't think Jay Gruden's the type of coach that can handle that. I don't I mean they already got Norman. I mean, holy yeah. cow. I bringing in the big thing that's going to I don't really care where he ends up. It's going to be how much you give up for him. And I think I think it's an you're in an interesting position where I feel like teams could end up just betting against themselves. Yeah. Like, teams could fall out. The Steelers could be bluffing and almost, you know, like what it was when the Bears moved up Mm -hmm. with San Francisco. They gave up a third-round pick to go get Trubisky, move up one spot, and it kind of came out later that they were just bidding against themselves. Yeah. So (laughs) it's like, uh, you know, I don't really know. you got to be careful if you're an NFL team here. I don't think any of those teams either are like in a position to be like, oh, if we get this guy, we can make a Super Bowl run. Like, I don't. Yeah. So I would be hesitant to give up a first round pick if I'm any of those teams. Even the Cardinals and the Jets who dropped out, yeah. like, I'd be very hesitant to give up a first round pick, which I'm probably assuming is the asking price. I mean, because the, the Steelers are going to be taking on most of the financial burden of this deal due to yeah. the signing bonus that they gave him. So you are getting an elite talent receiver for a little bit of a bargain. I mean, you're only going to be paying him something like, you know, 11 mil a year for Antonio Brown is, is pretty ridiculous. But at the same time, I mean, this guy is leaving the coop, leaving Ben Roethlisberger. I think he's, you saw Larry Fitzgerald say he's taking what he's had well, for yeah. granted a and, little bit. And just and to like, maybe look at the three teams that are going to get him in the quarterback no situation. No quarterback, Derek Carr, who is the last two years not really shown and is on the trading block let's be honest that guy there's just as much of a chance of him not being on the Raiders as there is him being on the Raiders and Mariota who is getting into like kind of bus territory even for for me like you know getting into the Bortles Tannehill Dalton you know place for me where I'm like wow this is a team that's like gonna hold on for him for like two more years and they really should just get out now yeah yeah. Like, really just leave. He's you know? shown us his ceiling. Yeah. Yeah, so, well, he's not, it's not going to get, especially in the passing game and in the deep passing game, it's not going to get much better 
for Mariota. And yeah, no. So it, it kind of makes, I think at the end of the day, the fool is Antonio Brown for, yeah. for, for making this, you know, making this all kind of about him, I guess. And, uh, obviously completely shifting the blame to anyone but himself, um, which I think is kind of an immature move. The interview was immature telling that he's saying that he doesn't need football. I think that was kind of immature, but at the end of the day, he's a phenomenal player. He's an exceptional talent and they're, they're going to be, you know, obviously there are three teams that are going to be knocking at the door for him. So I think this deal is going to get done within the next 48 hours, and I'm going to go blind faith. I think that the Tennessee Titans are going to end up getting this guy. I just think they're going to throw enough pretty rocks at the Steelers yeah. to make this thing work. And uh, you know, you're going to have to give a player or just picks. God, it's a good, it's a good question. I think, I think it's going to be a picks deal, man. I, I think it's going to be three picks, maybe. And I don't even know how much value there's going to be in the package. I have a, I have a hard time believing that there's going to be, you know, more value than an early first round pick and all those picks combined. I think it'll Would be. Would you okay if you're the Steelers and the Titans call and they say we'll give you Corey Davis one? I'd take that in a heartbeat. Yeah, I'd take it in a heartbeat. Yeah. Straight up, take yeah. it in a heartbeat easily. I think Corey Davis is obviously. I don't think Corey Davis will ever be as good as Antonio Brown, but Corey or, Davis is or what the four pick. Twenty, you, you 20 have him for the next two years. Twenty three yeah. years old. He and showed I mean, signs of being a very good player, and you could develop him in Pittsburgh. <laughs> I think the Steelers should be on the phones trying to get a quarterback for this guy. You say yeah. Rosen's available. If you thought if you had a yeah. good, if you're the Steelers and you had a good grade on Rosen. And you just give him A B for Rosen. Give him A B for now. You got yeah. The, I I can I, the Steelers and what they've done with their quarterback <laughs> room the past four years makes no sense to me. <laughs> Josh Dobbs. First you get Josh Dobbs Mason in the fifth Rudolph. round, then you draft Mason Rudolph in the third round. Neither of those guys will ever be a starting quarterback for you. So now you put yourself in this position where you've just got a bunch of junk behind a thirty-eight-year-old Ben Roethlisberger. You know, with all due respect to Mason Rudolph and Josh Dobbs, they'll never be starters in the NFL. They'll never be able to hold a job. They starting. might start games. They, like, no, that's what I mean. They'll never be able to hold a job and be the starting quarterback for a team which is what you should be drafting yeah um, unless you're, you're purposely drafting a backup which would make no sense for the Steelers <clears throat> but I think a guy like Rosen who's on the trading block or you know I don't know man I know Foles is supposed to go to the Jaguars but there's some good you know quarterbacks in the free agency who knows how much time Roethlisberger's got left I guess I think Rosen would be the move for them in Pittsburgh I mean I don't think but then again, it's like Rosen doesn't fit that Pittsburgh identity, and I think that they might be scared about that. And if you're scared about that, then you're not you're not willing to make the deal. But uh, I don't know. I, I I don't know what. I'm very interested to see what the Steelers are going to get for him. I guess is what I'm trying yeah. to say. I'm very interested to see how much value there's going to be there, whether it's players or picks, and uh, you know what the deal is. I think Pittsburgh just can't wait to get rid of the guy, and I don't blame them for well, it. Well, I think they're really just. I think they're they would handle this situation totally differently if they hadn't already gone through the Le'Veon Bell thing. Yeah, in the way that just hangs over a team, and I think they're just so done with the, the drama and yeah, stuff the, that they've dealt with the past few years, and that stuff's just exhausting to be around. I mean, all the time getting asked about Le'Veon Bell, getting asked about Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown has been much more, you know, egregious in his, you know, I guess crimes against the team with like filming Mike Tomlin after you know yeah. in the post game speech. Yeah, and, yeah, like that kind of stuff that has just like run its course with that team and. And as time has gone on, Antonio Brown has only done nothing but double down, kind of, on yeah. all the comments he's made. He's really never back. He hasn't backed no. off at all. And he's talked about, you know, Ben, Big Ben, and I don't know if he used dictatorship, but that's kind of what he's making it sound like, how Ben runs the show and everyone's second to him. And it's like complaining about that. And I don't know with how I, with how many times the Steelers have been so close, you know, and just like I, that could definitely take a toll on guys, I think. Yeah. And I think AB was kind of fed up. But, man, it looks silly when it gets you to, you know, Washington, Tennessee, or Oakland. Those are three situations that 
Yeah, it's like, I, you you'd much rather yeah. be in Pittsburgh than there, yeah. objectively. So uh, it'll be interesting, and uh, I kind of hope the Titans get him because I think he'd look ugly in the Titans. <laughs> I think he'd look ugly in the Titans uniform, and I think he'd, if you're angry about Big Ben getting the body, you, I think you're going to be a little more angry about Mariota trying to get the body. I think so. too. I think Mariota's going to be pissing, pissing down his leg a little bit if Antonio Brown's in the building. Holy crap! He's like, oh brother, now I got a real now I have an elite receiver complaining to me about things. Now it's just like I'm going to get Bortles out of here. <laughs> <laughs> but dude, I no no shortage of drama here in, no, uh, in, in mid mid March, early to mid March. And I mean, yeah, I mean, on top of this, you got the Kyler stuff going number one to Arizona, wow. and like yeah, absolutely, yeah, it's like crazy this time of year, man. Seems even just more um, more so than in years past for sure. Um, do we want to quick quick combine takes? Yeah, well, we can go ahead and, and, and get into it a little bit. Yeah, I think, I mean, our big takes, I guess, is going to be, like, how much how much money can a 40-yard dash make you? Yeah. And, like, holy. A whole, a whole, a lot of money, <laughs> a lot of money. I mean, you see these mock drafts with Montez Sweat going five and a lot of them. It can make you a lot of money because he was going no higher than 14 in the ones that I saw earlier. Oh, so God. That's a lot of money. And then. Paris I wanna, Campbell. Paris Campbell. And I do want to pose the question, kind of, now that Tommy's not here to berate me with his, you know, his 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 his, his prophecy, his, his objective truth prophecy. Can DK Metcalf play football? We know that he's an absolute freak of nature. I'll never deny that. We know that he's a top one, a 0.1% level athlete on this planet. Uh, I'm not going to deny that either. We know that he is under 2% body fat. I'm not going to deny that either. It's all insane. It's all insane to me. But he has a history of a, a neck injury at Ole Miss. He didn't put up exceptionally great numbers at Ole Miss. I know he was injured. But is this guy worth a top 10 pick? Can he be the Julio Jones elite level when he steps foot on the field receiver that a lot of these a lot of these scouts are seemingly painting the picture of him as? Can DK Metcalf transfer what he did at the combine to the football field because it's much easier said than done and it's much easier to say oh wow this guy's going to be an elite receiver than for him to really strap it up and be an elite receiver especially with the past four to five years how first round receivers have panned out in the NFL well and you look at his um 20 I think it's his 10 yard shuttle and or his 20 yard shuttle and his three cone drill are among the worst at, and among the NFL combine really? in receivers. Yeah, second and third percentile. Wow. Among receivers. Uh, I didn't ever. even know that. Yeah. yeah. So it's like you see those like the straight like you know broad jump vertical forty all you know very forward explosive, upwards explosive yeah. motions are very you know okay these are good of course because he's a freaking freaking nature but then you look at the, the lateral more stuff lateral movement agility Elusive, yeah you know stuff that'll come into route running i mean something you see on film with dk metcalf is he really struggles to get out of his route sometimes you know so so the those quick change of directions stopping and starting um he kind of doesn't really have the athletic ability to do that which is you know part of the reason i get you hear all these things oh this is the calvin johnson combine it's like people don't understand that calvin johnson was just a mistake <laughs> like they they don't understand that like someone is who's six five two forty like or DK Metcalf six three two thirty yeah like they're not all, like supposed to be able to do literally everything and there was right? also just something about the fluidity of Calvin yeah too. and so I think you just look at DK as a guy who has insane straight line speed really good ball skills I mean those show up on tape to give him a little credit as a as a football player but he's definitely looking like a combine Hercules and yeah. I, I mean he's someone I'm a fan of too I'm not gonna say like I'm with Lee almost and I'm like almost doubting his ability but I I think there are a lot of concerns here with, yeah. with DK Metcalf and he's I think he's someone too where it's like he's I don't think he's going to be able to come on you know 
first year and put it all together. And and yeah. I think that's something that's definitely going to be concerning to a fan base because they're going to see that DK Metcalf got picked by their team and just expect him to be Julio Jones. And it's, it's not really going to work like that. He's going to make some amazing plays, going to make some splash plays. But, you know, you have to worry that guys like him might be Devontae Parker. Absolutely. You know, and, and especially with the media, dude. It's like yeah. the media has turned this guy into a can't miss receiver mm-hmm. prospect. And that's what scares me. And it's not even necessarily, I'll be the first one to admit, I'm definitely the least amount of a DK Metcalf fan on this podcast. Everybody on this podcast likes him more than me. and But I think I would more classify what I'm saying as, I just think there are a lot of red flags. And there are a lot of eyebrow raisers surrounding DK Metcalf that I think people are refusing to acknowledge because they want an elite big stud receiver in the draft. Yeah. And they want another Julio. They yeah. want a freak. They want everything to pan out the way that it's supposed to. But it doesn't always work that way. And when you're when you're dealing with, with uh, such early picks and a lot of money on the line and big decisions on the line and jobs on the line, I think that there should be a little bit more of a vetting process than just simply looking at DK Metcalf, seeing that he has under 2% body fat, seeing that he's built like no one else on the planet, and basically being like, oh, well, this guy's clearly going to be an elite receiver and put all these intangibles together the minute he steps on a, on a field, even though statistically and on tape – He's been either injured or not uh, not able to put up the numbers that that elite level receivers and top five picks usually do. So all I'm saying is is you know, and I'll even go as far as to say it, it's a big red. There's a big red flag over DK Metcalf for me, and I'd like to, I'd like to see him pan out. Who doesn't want another elite receiver in the NFL? But I don't know if it's all going to work that way. Where would you feel comfortable picking him? I I would not even if my Buffalo Bills have been my example. If you need a receiver and he's there, I would not take him in the top ten. Okay. I would take DK Metcalf if I needed a receiver. I would take him somewhere from, I think, 18 to the end of the first round. I don't think that he's worth a top. But he's, um, yeah, it, unless you're nearly certain you've done the work with him, the one-on-one drills, the private drills or whatever, and you're nearly certain after watching the receivers on your team, watching him, whatever, I don't know how the scouting process is done, that this guy is going to transition over well. Because I didn't even know that three-cone and shuttle stuff. If his lateral movement is a question, this is the first kind of thing I said to him is like, he'll go up and get it. And like, he's got incredibly strong hands. He's extremely athletic. He's capable. Mm -hmm. But if you're going to draft him in the top 10, top 15, he needs to be more than a vertical threat because he will not be making impacts for you on, if you need to be, he needs to be out there playing all three downs Mm -hmm. if you, if he's going to be picked on the top 10. So unless this guy can come out and prove that he's as we know, he's a tremendous athlete. Is he fluid? Is he effortless? And is he a receiver above all? Is he a guy that was born to play receiver or was he born to just be an athlete? I think that there's a difference there and that's where the red flag is. And I think it'd be stupid not to take him in the first round if you need a receiver, if he's projecting well to you. But all I'm going to say is I'm not going to be surprised if we get another, you know, I don't want to, obviously he's more of a, a freak of nature than these guys, but we're talking about Guys like when we were having this argument a month ago, it was like Doxson mm-hmm. and Laquan Treadwell and Kevin White and these receivers that have been drafted the past few years. That Even a guy like John Ross where he's a, he's a physical freak in a different way. Yeah. You pick him ninth because he's ran the fastest 40 ever and he, no one's going to be able to catch him out there. And he's so elusive and he's so quick and he's a game changer and he can return kicks. Yeah. Heck, put him at corner. And yeah. it's like... <laughs> It just doesn't work that way yeah. in the league. Now this guy's going to be, like you said, they'll be I, yeah, lucky the, to get a seventh-round pick for him. The big thing is, like, with DK, is you just can't expect him to come in and just be transcendentally great. I think he's still a dude you have to have a plan for. Yeah. So, And I see a lot more, just to finish this, and not even that it's a bad thing, I see a lot more Josh Gordon in his game than mm-hmm. Julio Jones. I think Josh Gordon's a guy that had nearly 
uh, identical stats to him his last year in college. And a uh, former track guy, absolute physical freak, can high point the ball. But with Josh Gordon, it was more off the field stuff. With DK, I think it's more putting it all together. And that's not an easy thing to do. So, you know, I, I just think that there's there's a red flag surrounding DK as a t- uh, top 10 prospect, even a top 15 prospect. And I think for the team like the Bills to just simply be like, oh, well, we have Josh Allen now and we need a receiver. So here's our superstar. Now we have our, we have our young quarterback and our young stud receiver and we're set up for the future. I just don't think it's going to be all that easy in Buffalo, um, um, not to specifically pick them. But Yeah, and a quick, another combine take, I guess, for me is uh, say goodbye to Elijah Holyfield. Yeah. I'm, I'm off. I, I, was, I was never really with it. I watched some of his – I really just wanted to like him because he's a Bandera Holyfield's kid. Um, <laughs> but watching his tape, I just didn't see anything that was too special. I was, you know, waiting till the combine to see because he only had six career catches at Georgia. But you go out there and run a 4.7, then run a 4.8 as a running back. Get has, that has, has, cast next yeah, time. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be in the frame. He's gonna I, be right I'd in that frame. And Deets and Burnham. Deets with Burnham, Deets man. And, Burnham. and I mean, for me, it's just like I'm not about to even draft a, a running back who's running, you know, four sevens and has six career or six career catches last year. Dropping balls left and right Dro- at the combine. Yeah, as well. and so it's like that. That's an undrafted guy for me. Yeah. Someone I might not even, he's not even a priority UDFA. Someone who shouldn't have been at the Combine, maybe. Oh, man. Darwin Thompson. Should have brought him in there. Come on now. Clap. Throwing the the Combine committee a little shade. We know know the Combine committee is listening to these podcasts. (laughs) Got to throw them a little shade. Keep them in check. I want to throw another name out. I texted you the name when I was watching the Combine. Just someone who kind of jumped off the screen to me. Um, Jordan Scarlett, running back from Florida. A guy who ran, I want to say, low four fours in the forty. Yeah, I mean, he wasn't even considered a speed guy. Really. No, really yeah. wasn't, and, and absolute. That was kind of what I was worried about with him because I I followed this guy. I watched him at international high in Florida his senior year. I watched a little bit of Jordan Scarlett. Went to the same high school as Sean White, the quarterback who played at Auburn a little bit. Just a little tidbit of information <laughs> there. And then Jordan Scarlett committed to Florida Atlantic, decommitted, went to Florida, was behind a good little stable of running backs. Mm-hmm. Never really made any huge headway at Florida in terms of like. All American hype or Heisman hype or anything like that, but solid running back for a couple of years. Didn't get a ton of wear and tear, but definitely a guy who I think can come in and and, and be kind of a sneaky running back prospect. You know, Kamara was my guy a couple of years ago, so I so I, I think Scarlett is going to be my guy a little bit this year. Okay. I'm trying to get Scarlett under my wing as a as a I know with the plethora of running back prospects we have at our uh, at our disposal this year, uh, Jordan Scarlett was kind of a guy a late bloomer for me, a guy who after the combine I kind of. Re- reconsidered what I thought about him and was like, you know what? I think I, I think a little higher higher of Jordan Scarlett than I originally thought. So I also saw a like it was an NFL Network um, Instagram post or something. Mm. And it was a Justice Hill, and it was like, oh, he ran the forty of Saquon and had the vertical jump of Kamara. Yeah, he must Whoa. be better than both of them. Oh my god, <laughs> sell sell. Uh, Justice Hill might might be drafted day two now because of that combine. He will. Woo. He's going day two. Wow. No, thank you. You said that no, uh, thank you. you thought he was more of a pass catcher, right? I mean, that's he's, he's a Mirabula, man. He's just yeah. like better. He's like faster, more explosive. He, he doesn't break tackles. He's not going to be able to pass protect. I, I just can't. Yeah. I, I would not draft Justice Hill. He gets people, you know, touch his ankles and he falls over. It's a combine right? guy. Yeah. He's just a, it's you know, a and, and it was an especially slow running back class. So I think you're going to have these teams clamoring for anything with speed at that position. And I, I was that was just a guy who I saw that did well. Good for him that he did well at the combine. Not doesn't make you a good football player. Yeah. Um. Do you want to share your Zingerman story? 
I would. I would like okay. to say my <laughs> Zingerman story. Um, I'm, I'll make it a little bit shorter. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I'm in Zingerman's. I've never, I've never, I've only gotten carry out from Zingerman's once. So I wanted to go in and see Zingerman's. I'm in Ann Arbor. You know, Michigan's on break. I go to Zingerman's with a, a friend of mine, a constituent, let's say. Or we're, we're looking at the menu, and I, I feel an aura, a little bit of an aura behind me, and, and I see a, you know, a beautiful young woman walk up behind, and I, I was looking at her for a minute, and I thought to myself, I want to know who she's here with. I want to know, just because I feel like this might be just something that seems a little off about it. She was decked out in Nike, I, all the newest stuff. I was like, this is interesting. I turn around, and who's standing there but the quarterback of the Detroit Lions, number nine, Matt Stafford. Standing right there, all six four and a half of them, maybe six five, honestly, in person. Big dude, big dude. I immediately, obviously, you know, when you see someone of that caliber, you know, imagine you one of your favorite sports teams, the best player. Clearly, I think we can agree he's the most famous athlete in Michigan. Probably. Oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. He, you know, and he's he's, he's most got, recognizable. Exactly, recognizable. So this is a pretty big deal. Don't know what he's doing necessarily in in Ann Arbor on a uh, on a fine Tuesday afternoon, but nonetheless, he's there. I I, I see him. And I think to myself, you know what? I'm not going to say anything to Matt Stafford. I think that it'd be better if I just treated him like a human being. And I made a little bit of eye contact with him. You know, he knew. I think he, I was wearing a Pistons hat. I, I, I'm a young athletic dude. He knows. He knows I'm a Lions guy. You know, I think he put two and two together. <laughs> Safe to say. So I go. We get our food. Go upstairs to the upstairs seating because downstairs was a little too crowded for my liking. There's nobody sitting upstairs. I'm okay. Fine. I'll sit upstairs. No one's up here. I have a peaceful lunch. We get our sandwiches. Of course, two and a half minutes later, who walks up upstairs and sits? The whole upstairs is open. He sits about 10 yards away from me and my constituent. Him and his wife are sitting there, 10 yards, didn't acknowledge it, had a great lunch, sat next to Matt Stafford, no one else. Of course, a a couple people came up and interrupt the guy when he's trying to have friggin' lunch. Oh, I can't. I just got to shake his hand. I just got to. Give me a break. Treat him like a human being. He's a quarterback for the Lions. He's 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 an elite level quarterback. We get it. You don't need to come up. You work for Zingerman's. You don't need to come up and make a, and make it about you. It's not about you. This is the whole thing. Where I'm sitting there, obviously don't say anything to him. He goes down, probably takes pictures with other people. Me and my friend of mine, we decide we're going to get dessert. We go to the Zingerman's dessert place next door. Of course, Stafford walks in. Two minutes later, the guy's following us around Ann Arbor at this point. You should have confronted him. I, hey, man, why, why are you following I me think, around? <laughs> I, I think, well, then, then it gets to a point where the only people in Zingerman's, uh, my, my constituent orders a pie, orders a piece of pie. Who's there to call out the pie? I couldn't believe my eyes when I see Matt Stafford. Hey, your berry pie is ready. Goes and hands her the pie. I honestly was blown away. Uh, first thing that jumped off the page, charming dude. Yeah. Absolutely charming dude undeniable leader, leader of men. There was a mutual respect in that room. And I just could not, I, I can't, I already was a Matt Stafford fan, obviously could not root for the guy more, wish him the best of luck next year in Detroit. I know that he's, a, uh, I've had some Kyler rumblings on this podcast before, <laughs> you know, it's, it's nothing personal. I know Stafford is a great quarterback. I don't think he's the issue in Detroit. And honestly, I wish him. I wish him nothing but the best. One of the first. It's not in the prophecy book. We can put it in after this. A prophecy I made in the summer of 2017. Mm. Prophecy I made is that Matt Stafford would hoist Lombardi's trophy wearing the Honolulu blue before he retired. That was a prophecy I made in 2017. I'm not. I'm not going to hide from my prophecies. I'll never cower down from my prophecies. Stafford, what? 31 now. Yeah. He's got a little time left. Got a little gas in the tank, but definitely a special. Uh, 
special moment. Never said anything to him, never got an autograph. I figure when BJP, the back judge, makes it big, I can shake his hand and look him in the eyes and say, hey, I'm watching uh, Zingerman's next to you. Treat you like a human being. Hope you enjoy it. That's not to say to him. So there's just a little piece of, uh, of, of, of old Michigan folklore, yep. old Detroit folklore yep. that, uh, that happened this week, this past week. So that was great. Man. Next podcast, I'll share my uh, for that's a classic. That's a great story. That's a classic story. <laughs> oh man. Alright. We're good?